What's up, y'all? Before we start the show, I want to talk about one of our sponsors, YouTube Music. YouTube Music is a new app that combines everything you expect from a streaming service with the magic of YouTube to bring everything to life. With YouTube Music Premium, you'll get ad-free music that plays with the screen off or while other apps are open. Get music whenever you want it, even if you're offline. Download the new YouTube Music app today and start a free 30-day trial. Then just pay $9.99 per month. Terms and restrictions apply. We are also brought to you by the Riffs on Riffs podcast. Have you ever recognized a song and realized you've never heard it before? Riffs on Riffs is the new show by Evergreen Podcast that explores popular music samples. Join musicians Joe Watson and Toby Braswell as they put a spin on original and sampled tracks. From Joe Cocker and Prince to Alicia Keys and Stevie Nicks, you'll love discovering how your favorite tunes got their sound. Find Riffs on Riffs on your favorite podcast app or visit evergreenpodcast.com. Oh, yes, indeed. Welcome back to another episode of On Shuffle. I'm your host, Michael Peters, a staff writer at The Ringer. And on The Ringer, I wrote about Drake and Kanye this past weekend. If you'll recall, Drake went on LeBron James's new HBO show, The Shop, and aired Kanye out. I wrote about it. I will not be talking about it today. Today, we are going to be talking about the new Quavo album, Quavo Huncho, with Spin.com's Israel Daramola. We're also going to be talking about the new Broncho record, Bad Behavior, with my former editor and good friend, Nate Scott. But first, let's talk Quavo. Yeah, we be like, I can't stand it. Pull up, park and do damage. Trap house to a mansion. I put that on my granny. Grandma! Since that one weekend, mid-June in 2013, we all spent tweeting couplets from young rich niggas. It was natural for us to wonder who might be the breakout star of Migos. The consensus was Quavo. He had it all. Harmonies, bars, the ability to make up words and have them stick. But five years hence, and now with his debut album Quavo Honcho out, does Quavo work solo? Here to discuss that with me is staff writer with uh, Spin Magazine, Israel Daramoa. How you doing today, man? I'm doing good, man. Uh, I'm happy to be here. I'm calling from the forest where Quavo shot his album cover. <laughs> Wait, it was shot and not painted? I like that's that's news to me. No, no, it's a real place. It's a it's it's a wonderful land of of dragons and and wolves. <laughs> and I'm here now. With the, with the Elvin army. We're going to do binge mode about it. It's going to be great. <laughs> yeah, so basically what we're referring to, if you haven't seen it, you should absolutely go look at the cover for, for Quavo Hancho because it's this really strange, like, oil painting It looks like deal. the Chronicles of Narnia. It really does. It looks like something that goes on the cover of, like, a J.R. Tolkien book. Or it looks like young adult fantasy, basically. Anyway... Remember that headline uh, in the New York Times basically after Beyonce broke off from Destiny's Child that said, solo Beyonce, she's no Ashanti? Yes, um, I do. <laughs> so Quavo was always kind of touted as the Beyonce of the Migos group. So solo Quavo, is he Beyonce or is he, does it work? He is not Beyonce. <laughs> and I just want to, for the record, say, and I feel like you know this already, but I'll tell your audience. Mm -hmm. that I was early as 
being against Quavo as a solo artist. I didn't see it. I just didn't see it like everybody else saw it. I feel like Migos, Migos is not uh, the Cavaliers. It's not uh, LeBron James and like a bunch of other dudes. Like Migos is like the 04 Pistons. Like they, they work together. The reason they, they're great is because like one does one thing really well and the other does another thing really well. And together they make like perfect songs. But when you take that apart, they make okay songs. Yeah. Okay. So uh, it's a very democratized approach to song making. I mean, like take off might start a song here. Offset might depends upon whoever has the best hook. This, these are the interviews that were happening around uh, the first Culture album in 2017, where they were basically in every interview they were talking about how you know if you have it's it's basically if you have the open shot, take it. Like that's their entire approach to making music. And, exactly. Yeah, but I got to ask you a question. And I, you, well, you did say that you called it very early, as early as when would you say? Like 2017, I think. Okay. This was this was around the time it was heating up the idea of a Quavo solo album, and everybody was really excited about it. It was before the, it was just before the Offset wave took off. Okay. Where everybody was like, actually, Offset is the best Migo. There was a Forbes, there was a Forbes news item written by uh, Gary Suarez where he basically talked about how Quavo owned 11% of the Hot 100 in uh, December 2017 after Huncho Jack came out. Right. Imagine that Quavo Huncho comes out before Culture 2, before Without Warning, uh, the Offset 21 Savage Metro Boomin' tape, and... It comes out in that time frame. Do we feel differently about it then than we do now? Uh, I think people would be more excited about it. I don't think people would like the music more. Mm-hmm. I mean, the the thing about Huncho Jack that like is really fascinating to me, mm-hmm. even though like it, like you said, it's really a drag <laughs> and it's really hard to listen to. Huncho form, Huncho. Got your bitch on porn. Smash, smash. Wheels too form. Ice my arm. Ice shine. Got the jack. Got plaques on plaques. Hits on hits. The thing that like is really fascinating to me about it is that all of the things Quavo is good at, he doesn't do it on Huncho Jack. There's not a lot of melody. There's not a lot of singing. There's not a lot of like creative song structure. It feels very like. I just spent an afternoon making songs mm-hmm. and like these were all of them. Yeah. Like, you know, all, all the things Quavo, like people love Quavo for on all those like different choruses and like all the songs he gets it on. It's not here. Yeah. And I've just, and I find that such a curious decision. I think that at some, I can't remember exactly who it was that I was talking to or if we, even if I just saw this somewhere memories are just memories of memories now but somebody said that it was basically they spent however many songs were on that project they spent all of those songs trying to recreate the magic of Oh My Dis Side from uh, Rodeo I mean like there was Modern Slavery the first record on there was really like the like it was really cool or whatever I thought that like okay I'm ready for this project and then the rest of it was just kind of like okay um, but 
I'm glad that you brought up the part about that it it's not like all of the things that he does he does well or he doesn't explore the things that we enjoy Quavo for, which is the fact that he's so strange and like can think outside of the think outside of the box, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Mostly when you have these solo projects for if there's a group involved and there's a solo project that comes after it, you assume that there are ideas being explored that couldn't be explored in the group work. And that doesn't feel like the case on Quavo Huncho. Yeah, it, it definitely feels like one person's idea. And like, like it feels very much like someone who's a little too high on themselves, thinking they can just like make a hit easily mm-hmm. without like really trying. Because these songs don't really have, don't really give off the, the impression that a lot of effort went into them. Yeah. Like the fact that there's so many guest appearances is actually like a helpful thing. Like the 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 part that really dragged to me is when I realized there are no guest appearances on a song. Mm-hmm. Which is which is a, a new frontier for an album. Yeah, he definitely is strongest on this album, or the songs are best when he kinda has a foil to work off of. That said, there are features from Twenty One Savage, Drake, Sweetie. Madonna, Cardi B, Takeoff, Offset, obviously, Lil Baby, Travis Scott, Normani, DeVito, Kid Cudi. Which one do you think is the best feature, though? The Lil Baby one is really good. Even the Drake one is is solid, but it's mostly because uh, Quavo's decision to rap like Juvenile on that song is weird. Okay, so my experience with this album was sort of like I was drifting through it, and then I would like wake up when I heard things like pan flutes or when when Quavo is doing the high interpolation on Flip the Switch. And then at the end, he does the, the get your roll on flow too. Right. Yeah. yeah. Which is very popular uh, this year for some reason. <laughs> I, yeah. I, just so, there's so much, so many of the decisions on this album are so puzzling and so just like, like under thought, but like, it's still fascinating in a way. The the, the Vito song is really bad. It's, mm. And it's like almost like his attempt at making a Sway Lee song. Mm. Yeah. It's just like, ugh. 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 It, yeah, like that one is really bad. Ooh, that's a hot spot. Hot spot. Hit her on the elevator. Why not? Why not? Make the whole block hot. Block hot. Make the whole block hot. Block hot. In the hot box. Right next to the chopper And that thing go rata And that thing go rata Yeah, Ray Schremer has sort of the same problem as Migos. It's like, they don't, they're not like solo stars that are on, working together on the same record. They work in conjunction on every record together and they like complement each other really well. But the other thing about Ray Schremer is that like, they're sort of like a sugar high. Their mm-hmm. music. So it's like you'll you'll like a Ray Strummer song a lot at first, and then over time it's like uh, I can't really listen to this anymore. <laughs> so again, like with the things that Quality Control has been touching, there's a really or you know like most big rap releases this year. There is a there's a good like breezy pop rap album in here somewhere. Like there, right. nineteen songs is too many, but there if it were like. 10 or 11 it was just like cool we did this and and now we can get back to the Migos thing that we really like 
you know, people think I'm anti long albums mm-hmm. just because not because like I'm against more music, just sort of like people underrate a cohesive project. I think mm-hmm. people like sort of underrate the value of making like a complete quick, nicely paced one thing and how much value that adds to the final product. Like if this album is like 30 minutes instead of an hour and like 10, mm-hmm you have a different reaction to it, even if you don't love it. You're at least fine with it, maybe. Like, Young Thug has done a lot of, like, middling mixtapes, but they've been short lately, and so you're like, all right, that was fine. And part of the charm of it is, like, it's only four four or five songs. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Like, get in and get out. Like, Thug is like um, Picasso, but you gotta, like, put him in a, a... canvas or else he's just gonna paint everything (laughs) it's just like it that that is what this feels like somebody running through the house it is what quavo huncho feels like is somebody running through the house and just splattering paint all over the walls yeah you gotta like give them like just a little canvas to paint so that they don't put it everywhere right because everybody kind of has their favorite migo like Everybody has their favorite Ninja Turtle. Who is your, who was yours? So I used to be team Offset just to be a contrarian. And Uh I do like Offset the most. Mm -hmm. Um, Right now I'm like fighting for takeoff, right? Uh, You ready for the takeoff project that's going to be coming after this? No, I am not, I am not ready for a takeoff project, but I do think people need to be nicer to takeoff. I think that that's also fair. People need to stop being mean to take off. Every every Migos is special. They're a snowflake, and they all matter. <laughs> yeah. Speaking of takeoff, uh, he also probably I would say top three features on this album uh, on. Keep He's a that good shit. rapper. Yeah, he can like he can rap. He can rap. Uh, okay. Here's a question I've been meaning to ask you. Fuck 12. Discuss. Hold up, honey. If I wasn't real, I would be a honey. So that means everything authentic. Uh, every car I get, windows present. Fuck 12, fuck 12. Fuck 12, fuck 12, fuck 12. Fuck 12, fuck 12, fuck 12. So, Migos has done a lot of Fuck 12 songs. Uh-huh. Um... I like the the first the original one they did like the from like their first mixtape or uh-huh. was it like maybe it was it might have been um the second one the one with Versace on it uh, that's my favorite okay yeah yeah, yeah, record. yeah yeah but this one this one's weird because like the first verse is just kind of like a, a generic rap verse like about like money and like shining and then like it like takes a strange detour into, into being like political. a pro-black anthem yeah i was just like but maybe that's just how like that's just like sort of the way music is gonna go in this age the post-trump like the reactionary like people are like sort of veering like, into that sort of like revolutionary imaging of blackness again and so you know you're going to have a lot of rappers who like express that in their own way. And so like, you know, I don't think it's a great record, but I do think it's interesting how like one minute it'll be just like regular, like party rap. And then all of a sudden it becomes about like police brutality and like 
being profiled because you're black. Yeah. Well, there was a similar thing that happened with March Madness when it came out on 56 Nights is that it was I do remember. And then the music video uh, had all those, you know, the, the black and white imagery of, you know, people being uh, hosed in the street, you know, like advancing policemen with, you know, riot shields, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. But that was like after the fact. They like that was read on to it afterwards. This has but that hands up, don't shoot chant at the is just awkward on this song. It is awkward. And I mean, the future thing to me, that makes more sense just because like that future's whole thing mm-hmm. is just like she will sneak in something really insightful and thoughtful and yeah. like almost traumatizing mm-hmm. in the middle of just raps about like codeine and like partying with girls. Mm-hmm. that's like his whole career he's done that so like that wasn't really surprising to see like to have like a line like you know uh about police on march madness yeah here it's a, it's a little different but again it's like i respect what you're going for even though i don't like it yeah yeah in listening to it you can already see that it's gonna be a raucous number of live shows at, at least who doesn't want to yell fuck 12? Yeah, I yell who, who, all the time. yeah, I mean, like, it's it's very, it's very cathartic. When they ask me my name at Starbucks, I say fuck 12. <laughs> so, you know. Uh, let's talk about, there. there's one, there's one interesting choice on this album that we haven't really covered, which is the Hunter Dream song, which is kind of, well, a Nikki response. I can't really say whether or not it was an apology or a diss. If we go back. I don't, I don't know what it was. Yeah. Like, it took me until, like, near the end of the song to realize that's what it was doing. It was responding to the Nicki song. It just, it goes into, it's just a weird song. There's so many weird choices, but they're not good weird. They're just like, like, if you had thought it through even a little longer, you might not have done it. You know? For a little bit of context, for those of you that don't know exactly what we're talking about, Nicki Minaj went on Zane Lowe in April and was basically talking about the motorsport controversy and saying that Migos, quote unquote, allowed her to appear, to appear dishonest. Uh, she said at the time, I love Quavo and... Uh, at the time on Twitter, I explained how motorsport came about and, you know, people were saying that I was lying. So I texted Quavo and I said, hey, just, you know, could you back me up on this? Because I don't want people to think I'm lying. What do I have to lie about? And he didn't back me up. Uh, and then on this song, Hunter Dreams, there is a part where Quavo kind of borrows uh, Drake's melody from In My Feelings and says, Nikki, do you love me? Why you crying? She don't want to be a queen unless she got me. <laughs> and it's like, I was like, okay, uh, I, I really don't, are we apologizing? Or are we shooting the fade? What is the, what's what's the deal here? It's also a response to the to the Nikki song, um, Queen Dreams, right? Or Barbie Dreams. Yeah, Barbie Dreams, yeah. Barbie Dreams, yeah. yeah. Yeah, which I mean, like people uh, were saying that, like, yeah, okay, there might be a romantic relation, it were a romantic entanglement going on here. Well, he did say, I he he made like a lewd comment to her, right when he when she was approaching him about the the Cardi controversy. He made a lewd comment about like, oh, maybe if you like, maybe if we were fucking, you know, we'd have 
or some like yeah it was it, I, I mean like some, like really rude really comment. really just boneheaded comment yeah yeah the quavo solo album is out for better or for worse what is next for migos or for quavo Quavo's going to get dra- going to play in the NBA for a year, just like Master <laughs> P did. He's gonna he's gonna get on the Brooklyn. Uh, he, he might actually could be playing on the Atlanta Hawks this year. I think Migos as a group, they need to do the Super Bowl. I don't see why they can't. Well, I don't they see can't... why we're, we're why we're asking Maroon Five to do the yeah. Super Bowl, but not Migos. Well, two thousand four is the short answer. Oh come on, come on. I'm not saying that th- I'm not saying that that is a sufficient answer for me. I'm just saying that that's you know like what the party line is. But, Migos can do the Super Bowl. People <laughs> love Migos. People do love Migos. That's the next tier of stardom for them, right? Well, I mean, like also in the immediate future, there's the rumored Migos Drake mixtape uh, that will probably be 48 songs instead of you know like the the standard 20 to 24. See, that's the thing. It's like, there's always like, everyone's already always collaborating on an album. And it, the joke used to be like, oh, this is so like something that will probably never exist, mm-hmm. but they're going to tease it anyways. And now everybody just does it. So like, there's probably going to be like, there's probably already like a 50 song Migos Drake album just waiting to be unfurled like before the year ends. That we're all going to have to pretend is good. <laughs> I'm already tired just thinking about it. Oh man! By the way, can I ask you? Did you listen to the Usher album? Oh yes, I did. Yes, I did. Uh, the the Usher Zaytoven joint project. Have you? <laughs> what a what a way to like live a midlife crisis. I made a joke to uh, to my coworkers here at Spin that uh, I knew Usher was going through a midlife crisis when um, he he dyed his hair blonde. And he made that song with Young Thug, uh, No Limit. Oh, yeah. And this 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 tape solidified it for me. Well, I mean, before that No Limit song he had, there was kind of this internet, Lucy, that was uh, this, you know, trap-tinged R&B record that was literally called I Still Got It. So, yeah. Um, yeah. And he, he, but, yeah, that's a uh, shout-out to everyone in Atlanta trying to stay young and youthful and keep up with the the Quavos of the world. (laughs) Oh, man. Uh, Israel, thank you very much for joining me and, you know, like bringing up the Usher Project because we wouldn't have otherwise. (laughs) No problem, guys. Yeah, I appreciate you, man. All right, then. Okay, so you've just heard a lot about Quavo Hancho, which you could have spent your weekend listening to, but what you should have been spending your weekend listening to is the new Broncho album, Bad Behavior. And here to discuss it with me is my former editor and boss and really good friend, Nate Scott. How are you doing today, man? I am fantastic. Delighted to be here. 
<laughs> so, Nate, what did you think of Bad Behavior? Broncho's sophomore album? Uh, I think their first came out in 2016. Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm really psyched. They, they kind of had, this has been a band I've actually been following for a while. And I was always sort of intrigued by them because they've done some really interesting, weird things with pop music and glam rock and post-punk. And like every single time I thought I had a beat on this band, uh, they would change it up, <laughs> uh, up to the point where their last album was kind of like this dark shoegazy album. Mm-hmm. And then they just released Bad Behavior, which is just like a perfect late summer, early fall pop record that um, I'm, I'm really digging a lot. Um, I, I, I really like this, this record. It's, it's the first album I think by Broncho that's actually had sort of like one cohesive sound throughout, mm-hmm. which is cool. And it's just a really, I don't know, good time, I guess. Yeah. I, I think it was you that showed me my first Broncho record was actually uh get in my car which came out earlier this year and it sounded like uh this is it era the strokes um yeah yeah it's like just very like breezy psych pop there's the the album is actually a concept album i think that it was uh ryan Lindsay, the lead singer that was talking about basically that they just felt that in the world in general bad behavior was being rewarded so they decided to make an album about the concept of bad behavior <laughs> I don't know how many of the lyrics I really retain, but say like on a record like Family Values, there's that line where he's just like, I got a thing for your mother. I got a thing to teach your father. I got Family Values. And honestly, when I when I first read about the full album, so the single came out, Get In My Car, um, which was this breezy, fun, like kind of really classic bit of almost like like 60s bubblegum pop, just kind of run through like a psychedelic filter. Mm-hmm. But when I read, like talking about the album, I was like, oh God, I hope they don't go into the whole like, uh, you're bad, but I'm bad too. Kind of like, Ugh, you know, like, all right, I, I had that deep thought when I was stoned when I was 19 too. Um, but the good thing is they didn't really, they didn't really do that. This, this album feels very personal. Um, and it's all kind of just about dark behavior and also, you know, in a rewarding way, kind of about the motivation behind it, which is, I don't know, fear of being alone basically. Um, but it's, it's just, it's a good, it's like a breezy record. And then you kind of listen to the records and it, and you get, and, and you get, or listen to the lyrics and you get lines like the one you just described. It's like, Oh, whoa, okay. Yeah, uh, you caught me in the weekend. You caught me with your boyfriend, like on that record. Uh, weekend. What is your favorite song mm-hmm. on this project? Would you say? Oh, uh, this is lame, but the single "Get in My Car" mm-hmm. is it's it's their best song they've ever done. You know, they they kind of blew up for that that song "Class Historian" a few years ago, um, and. Uh, I thought that they were just kind of kind of keep mining that and just sort of be one of those bands that would just sort of do like indie pop and be fun and be like the seventh band build at a festival and everyone would like them. And and they really haven't done that. They've sort of rejected that. Um, and they made this weird, dark kind of shoegaze record, um, which was their, their last album that came out. And now, um, 
get in my car was the single. It came out late last year, I think. Um, and they've been, they've been pushing it for a while and then they released it on this album and it was the second to last song on the album. And for me, I was sort of like, Oh, that's just Broncho being weird for weird sake again. <laughs> kind of like that. This is like, Oh, let's make the single the second to last song. But actually, if you listen to the, to the, to the album straight through, it's basically all about this kind of dark, ominous behavior and, and kind of the motivations behind it. And then, with this penultimate song, you get this escape, this release, this kind of classic pop trope of, you know, let's get in my car and, and hit the open road. And it's like such a freeing moment. Yeah, I, it is. A, it is like a super free moment at the second to last song in the album. But let's not forget that the song is still about sex. <laughs> like oh, everything else. A hundred percent. I mean, and I mean, that's what's so great about the song that comes after the actual last song on the album, which is called taking the easy way out. Like it's all about taking the easy way out, which is basically saying like, we're going to find release together with this sexy time. And then it's like, Oh, well I was just looking for something that made me feel better for a minute. And so it kind of undercuts the whole thing in a really interesting way. I don't know, like just for, for a pop record, Francia has always done weird stuff and sometimes it's cool, weird stuff. And sometimes it's like, Oh, you just, like this album has songs cut off constantly. Like they just end <laughs> like inner, like mid note. And for a while I was like, man, what are they saying? Like, uh, is this about like the abrupt ending? And then I was like, no, they just, they just ended the song. <laughs> you know, like <laughs> they're just doing some weird stuff to be weird, which is cool. But that's what I like about them. They're, they're you know, first listen, you're just like, ah, oh, cool. Summer record. You know, this is, this is it. They're doing some T-Rex, like glam rock stuff. Cool. Yeah. And then you listen to more. It's like, Ooh, there's actually some stuff going on here. Yeah, I I think that my personal favorite is is uh, Sandman, uh, just because. Oh yeah, that got that baseline. Yeah, the the baseline. Also, like the the stuttering guitar solo and uh, just the fact that it feels like like a prog rock and a disco record at the same time. Um, it's <laughs> I've added it to my crying in the strip club playlist. <laughs> there it is. Oh my, one of my favorite playlists. Um, have you seen Broncho live ever or seen video of them perform live? I have not. Have uh, can you you know like give me the give me the rundown on that? Well, that's what's so funny. It's Ryan Lindsay, the, the lead singer, he kind of, and I mean this in the most loving way possible, I love this band, he kind of sings like a sexy Muppet. And and, and he, uh, as he's doing this like kind of Muppet voice, um, he's just sort of jittering. And so when you said like it's skittering around, that actually really reminded me of their live performances because they kind of like will write these great pop songs that are really sing-alongable and like everyone will want to get down. And then when they perform live, they're kind of kind of janking it up at every turn. And they, they he, he'll sort of sing things slightly off key or cut lyrics short or kind of change the, the intonation on songs in the middle. So it's this really interesting, weird tension where he's writing these like incredibly catchy pop songs and then won't let you sing along <laughs> because he's just, he's like making it impossible to do it. Um, I don't know, which to some people I totally understand is infuriating. Kind of like, dude, like just let me sing along, you know, just 
do it like Peter Bjorn and John and let me sing along and clap and we'll have a great time. And they just like, won't, won't let you do that basically. Yeah. I it's I was wondering what this might be like live because he's got this kind of singing through clenched teeth, like nasally voice thing going on that I can't imagine mm-hmm. like working in a live setting. But at the same time, like, yeah, that I, I guess that is what would happen is just that creating that sort of spastic energy on stage at least makes it a spectacle if it's not necessarily something to sing along to. Yeah. And I mean, like in appearance, they look like a punk band, you know, and, they, and they've done stuff in, in sort of like earlier records were much more punky. And then they kind of did the glam rock thing with that big single and they, they, they drifted away from it and they've kind of come back to it here, but they don't make it easy. Like for me, it's just like this band is, there's such a clear blueprint for them to follow to just like make money and be successful. <laughs> it's like they won't do it, which because I'm like a crabby bastard like that. Like I'm like, I admire that. I'm like, yes, way to, way to do it. But also, I don't know. Get your money, Broncho. <laughs> Get your money, Broncho. Uh, words <laughs> from the man, Nate Scott himself. Nate, thank you very much for joining me today to talk about the Broncho record. Of course. That's all we got. Thank you so much for listening. Special thanks to Israel Deramola and Nate Scott for calling in. Shout out my producers, Zach Mack and Bobby Wagner. And don't forget to check out our playlist so we'll be updating every week with the songs we're listening to. A link to that is in the description. Also, please rate and subscribe if you like the show. We'd really appreciate it. Peace. See you next week.